0: I would think so. I mean, you know, it doesn't get any more desperate than that. And um, so, you know, I, I, w- I would think that, that motivation would be the least of our problems right now. Here's a takeaway shot for the middle shot. Save and the rebound score. Nathan Bastion, the fourth line winger, gets his 12th.
1: And New Jersey takes a one nothing lead. You know, I think this time of
2: year, you're looking for your guy to be better than the guy at the other end. And uh, that wasn't the case tonight.
3: Point shot, beloved by Leonard. Rebound came out in front. It's a loose puck. Score. Andreas Johnson gives New Jersey
2: the lead. Um, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, you have to give some credit to both. I think both guys were first stars. But we also have to look in the mirror, and you know, I think uh, this has been a historical problem here. You know, going dry at the wrong times. Um, you know, and obviously the two most important games. I mean, t- tonight the goal we got was from our fourth line. So, you know, really uh, uh, dried up at a, at a bad time. Boquist back in. It's a one-on-two. Cuts
0: around Petrangelo. He scores! Wow! Boquist got by Petrangelo and sneaks it through Robin Leonard. Robin never went down to the ice. The puck stayed right along the ice. And into the goal it goes for Boquist. 3-1 to one, New Jersey.
2: I just crushed my dreams.
1: Boom.
4: Sadness. That's the one.
2: Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us
0: were captivated by the California Raisins.
2: The Golden Knights lost last night to the New Jersey Devils. They are not officially eliminated from the postseason, but it certainly feels that way this morning. We asked at 7 o'clock, uh, is Robin Linner, The reason the golden knights lost last night some responses on twitter michael perkins said no how is it they can put all these star players on the ice but can't make up for a bad goal against one of the worst teams in the league they should be running up the score so hard that i could be in net and that is the same sentiment from a lot of people uh we also had cody who said he was a large part of it but how does a team make a sub 900 goalie look fesna quality Todd said he was a significant piece of why bad goaltending set forth the rest of the play, in my opinion. Then again, with all the offensive players we have, no reason why you can't put more than one actual goal on a backup's backup. Uh, so the the blame has been spread around quite a lot this morning, not just on Robin Leonard, but to the rest of the team as well for losing to the terrible New Jersey Devils.
4: Well, how can't you put a shot on net? I mean, <laughs> n- never mind score. Like DeBoer said, the one goal came from his, his fourth line. What happened to the other three? Yeah. I mean, it was – and the block shots, which, again, at 7 o'clock we gave Tampa – excuse me, uh, we gave New Jersey credit for.
2: Yeah. the Robin Leonard was pretty awful on two of the three goals they allowed last night. I mean, those are two goals you just – this should not happen. But the Golden Knights offensively last night played a game where they had to win one nothing. Robin Leonard had to have a shutout because they did not score a second goal until they pulled the goalie and it was six on five. So that's not good enough either against New Jersey. And here's there's one other thing that I don't I don't know if anybody tracks this, but this is just me eye test wise. I think the Golden Knights have had more goals allowed this year when they have failed to clear their own zone than the first four seasons of hockey that many combined. combined? Like they gave up two goals last night where they failed to clear the zone. The first New Jersey goal, Braden McNabb trying to clear the zone can't do it. Turns it over straight to a New Jersey devil. And then the third goal last night, even though Robin Leonard didn't move, which is a pretty big problem, but Chandler Stevenson's trying to carry the puck out of their defensive zone, tries to make a pass into the neutral zone turnover. Here comes New Jersey and Alex Petrangelo right. get, just gets embarrassed, gets right. outskated by somebody named Boquist and they give up a goal. Like, For whatever reason, this year's team breaking out of their own zone, it has hit them in so many games where they have a ridiculous turnover, where they just can't clear their own zone and give up a goal.
4: I, You're so right. In the last several games, the goals are always, whether you're watching the game, whether you're watching Twitter, it's always, whoa, what a bad turnover. Yeah. I mean, it's over and over. And, And again... It's I was talking to someone this morning early this morning, it's not it's not just one thing, right? It's the turnovers, it's the special teams. I think a lot of it is the coaching, it's the goaltending. They're in this they're in this place for a lot of reasons, not just one. I mean, when you're fighting for your playoff live and losing to New Jersey, uh, that's just not one avenue you can go down. But the turnovers are major reasons of why they're giving up goals.
2: Yeah, and it's it's fascinating to try to evaluate this team because obviously the injuries put them in a bad spot in terms of having to play catch up and not having the same record they probably would have but when you look at how many problems the team has when you look at oh this team's goaltending has not been very good and the decision making as to who's in goal has not been very good but oh they also go on ridiculous droughts of goal scoring. They also find themselves unable to score against Andrew Hammond yeah. and the New Jersey Devils. They find themselves getting shut out on the road in Edmonton in one of the biggest games of the year. And then you throw an O. Uh, if you remember, their biggest problem the first half of the season is they were giving up like more high danger chances yes. than just about everybody else in the league defensively. They've been a mess this year. Special teams, power play has been a Like, you start to look around and say, okay, we know they've been hurt, but what exactly are they good at? And I, you, if we fast forward to the offseason, if you tell me, like, what are they good at? And if you're Bill Foley and you ask that question, I don't know what the answer is. And if that, if you don't have an answer to, hey, what are we good at? I don't know how everybody actually keeps their job next year.
4: I know what they're really good at. Circumventing the cap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but in all seriousness, how would you answer that question? If, if you, like <laughs> are. what are <laughs> that's a good point, Jared. What what are they good at? Like if you were answering that question, if you had to if Bill Foley said, Okay, you gotta, you know, sort of defend your job if you're I don't know DeBoer what they're good or McPhee at. or McCrimmon, what well, I are think the some Golden def- Knights good at?
4: I think some defensemen have had Decent years, but as a whole, defensively, they haven't been good. There's some guys with individual years, but that's not going to get it done as a whole. There's not much they're good at as a team right now. But you know, you can you can point. Well, saw last night where Shea Theodore has you know what is 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 high with the Golden Knights and points, and you get these stats every once in a while. But then you start looking at it point by point, like you did defensively, special teams, goaltending. Uh, Offensively, in terms of the uh, top's now again, there are a lot of injuries up there. You can't discount that. We've got to we've got always include that in our evaluation. But I'm not so sure what the answer would be. Back to the owner, yeah. you know, the answer is going to be back to the owner of the injuries. That's what the answer is going to be.
2: But but if he says shut up, no excuses. What are you? Oh, what is well, then this that's going to be at? a very difficult answer. <laughs> yeah, because like even if you throw like Shea Theodore, 13 goals ties his career high. 33 points uh, is I think one off his career high in points or excuse me assist is going off his career <laughs> high in assist and he's tied his career high in points. It's still 13 goals and 33 is that that's not an unbelievable offensive season. It's a good offensive season, but it's not like Shay Theodore is leading the league in goals among defensemen. Like that's not happening. He's having an, a a solid production year from a point standpoint, but he's nothing special. He's been nothing unbelievable. I honestly, I can't think of something you point to. They have not had good goaltending. They have not made good decisions at goaltending. They've had an atrocious power play, god-awful power play. Whether they've been healthy or not, the power play's been a joke. The penalty kill hasn't What's been their that PK good rate this year. That's I'd have to go thing, look it up. That's, but it's, they're, that's the they're,
4: one thing we haven't talked about in, yeah, in depth.
2: I'm pretty sure they're pretty average in terms of the penalty kill this year as well. So they're not really good either way, special teams-wise. right? And then you start talking about defensively, I don't know that they've been very good defensively. We've just talked about how they've had turnovers in their own zone that lead to good right. chances, lead to goals against. And, like, what else are we doing here as far as offensively? They're certainly not good. Like, I I don't know what this team is good at. Like, we talk about, hey, they get to the playoffs, they could be a threat. What are they good at? What, Like, what is this team actually good at that you think, oh, yeah, they could be a threat? They've got a good collection of names, There's a lot of name power on this team. But if Robin Leonard's a bad goalie, if Mark Stone, whatever, he said he wasn't 100%. But if Mark Stone's not forcing turnovers and creating chances, if William Carlson can't score, if Max Pacioretty can't score, if Jack Eichel's not making game-breaking plays, like they're not getting any of that from any of their big names. This team's just bad. They're they're just a bad team.
4: And they can still make the
2: playoffs. Yeah, they can. They're not. But I told you that yesterday. They're not making it. But they're masquerading as a as a contender when in reality they're bad. And, you know, like you look towards next year, have they been bad enough that you look at next season and say, okay, even if everybody's healthy, that I still don't think they're very good. No.
4: I'm not so sure because I don't know who the goaltender's gonna be, but I don't think it's gonna be Leonard. <laughs> I, I so, we had Dave Shane on yesterday. I mean, you start talking about the cap. And all of that in the off season, especially if they don't make the playoffs and logan thompson has played well enough to you're like okay maybe he can be the guy um i, I don't know who the i don't know who the goalie is going to be before we can even say they're going to be any good
2: do you believe in like chemistry at all that th- these guys haven't played much uh, together the lines have been changed a lot the injuries have made a, a problem that hey they've got enough talent uh give them an off season where they're all pretty yeah. much healthy can play together that They'll be better. They'll score more just by that. I
4: believe in chemistry a little more than I believe in momentum, and I don't believe in momentum at all. (laughs) That doesn't exist. I believe in it a little. Yeah, I I believe if Mark Stone misses 30 games or whatever he missed and he comes back in, he's at 80%, and he's skating on different lines each night and and trying to get back in the fold. Max Pacioretty misses all these games. I think there's something to that. I don't know if it's chemistry with other guys or just rust trying to get your own rust off and trying to get back your your legs and, 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 and your conditioning. So I don't know if it's chemistry with someone else or you just have to get back to who you were and then you're going to play better.
2: And I think to take last night's game as a very specific example, sure, chemistry, Russ, that might impact you in terms of, hey, you don't you don't beat a good team. You don't win the division. I don't think any of that should impact your ability to beat the New Jersey Devils last night. No, no. I, no, I don't think any of that loss. Yeah, I, I don't care if you if Mark Stone is eighty percent. I don't care if they have they're putting lines together that have played a whopping seven minutes ever. No, together a horrible loss. I it, the New Jersey Devils suck. Right, and to lose that game, there's there's zero reasonable excuse. Last thing though, this is very important because I complained about it. Did you see Logan Thompson finally got new pads?
4: <laughs> How couldn't I? I'm on Twitter.
2: He got new pads. He finally matches the Golden Knights jerseys. He's not walking out there with those block gray pads yeah. anymore. It, there you go. Logan Thompson, no more silver pads or gray pads, whatever they were. I thought that was for sure a sign he was going to start, by the way. When you walk out with new pads, I thought it was, oh, he got the new pads. He's the guy. And then he's on the bench with his new pads. So they blew it. The pads should have told Pete DeBoer what to do. It I'm a pad been guy like pads. I'm a jersey guy. Oh, well, we're turning you into a Jersey guy. We're making you more and more like a Jersey guy. So don't worry. You'll be a pad guy here very, very soon. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs.
3: Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney.
5: Bischoff's Briefs. Speaking as an extremely clever person, I feel a bit personally attacked by the concept of an evil genius. Anti intellectualism is rife in the world today, encouraged no small amount by a media concerned that their advertisers' claims that their breakfast cereal induces hallucinogenic bliss and woodland creatures might not hold up to rigorous academic study.
3: Bischoff's Briefs.
5: Well, let's see how far your street smarts and common sense get you when you need someone to figure out how to turn a city sized plot of oceanic waste plastic into drinkable water and hospital grade insulin. Bischoff's Briefs. Just because I'm smarter than everyone else, Else doesn't mean I look down on people. Someone has to make my sandwiches. Just because I can envision a vastly more efficient society with myself as absolute dictator doesn't mean I want to go to that amount of trouble. Just because I ordered the installation of an oubliette in my basement doesn't mean I have sinister intentions for it. Bishop's briefs. So stop asking questions and get your jackhammer out.
2: There's two parts to Bischoff's briefs today. You guys are going to be uh, – you you two, Ed and Jared, are going to be trying to answer some trivia questions here in a second. But first off, I watched a baseball game yesterday. In the span of two half innings, there were four bunts, and I do not know what year I was in. Um, Ned Yost! <laughs> it was not Ned Yost. I know. The, he's- so. So yesterday – the Astros in the bottom of the sixth, they got a lead-off walk, and then Jeremy Pena came up to bat, and he bunted for a hit, and it was like a perfectly placed bunt past the pitcher. The infielders couldn't get it, so it was first and second with nobody out, and the number eight hitter's coming up, and for some reason, Dusty Baker asked this guy to sack bunt, and he failed, did not get a bunt down, and with two strikes, he had a fly ball to right field move the runner to third base. So semi-productive out, but Dusty Baker asked this guy to bunt. So, so far, we're three batters into an inning. One guy has bunted for a hit, and another guy has failed to get a sack bunt down. So first and third with one out, and now Dusty Baker asked the number nine hitter, who is the Astros catcher, Martin Maldonado, who has one hit on the year, to drop down a sack bunt, and he does so, and the run scores. So the Astros bunted in a run yesterday yesterday, in the bottom of the sixth inning. And I honestly didn't have a big problem with it other than asking the number eight hitter to sacrifice. The guy bunting for a hit, if you're bunting for a hit, that's fine because you're not giving up an out. The guy who's got one hit on the year, sack bunting to get a run home, that's great because otherwise he probably would have hit into a double play and into the inning. So I don't have a big problem with it. But then in the top of the seventh, the very next half inning, the Angels come up. And the Angels inning with back-to-back hits. And then Joe Madden has his eight hitter sack bucked moves the runners up to second and third. And then his nine-hitter also tries to bunt and bunted right back to the pitcher, so nobody advanced, and he got thrown out at first. Then they go back to the top of the order, which is Shohei Ohtani, and guess what? The Astros intentionally walked him because the Angels left first base open. They get a fly out to in the inning. The Angels, in one inning, after getting two hits, gave up two free outs and allowed the Astros to walk Ohtani for with no punishment, unbelievably stupid by Joe Madden to drop down two bunts in one inning, and it's not even the dumbest thing he's done this year because he intentionally walked a guy with the bases loaded already.
1: He's I'm, he won a World Series for my team. <laughs> I think he also might be like everyone's like ah oh, he's he's a crazy genius. Right. Right. I think he might just be like, he may need those glasses to read now. Like I think, well, he, I think the he game also- may have. Passed him by a little bit. And you make a good point about the crazy genius. I
4: think he buys into it. Oh, yeah. And and he overthinks the room, like, walking Corey Seager at the base load. Like, I'm going to do this, and it's going to work out. And they eventually won the game 8-7. to But, you know, everyone's going to say how great I
1: am. When everyone said, Joe, that was, like, the dumbest thing you've ever done. (laughs) I mean, every once in a while, he'll be like, ooh, I have a pitcher who sometimes can play in in the outfield. I'll do a double switch. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, why? Yeah. Just get another reliever. things to do, yeah.
2: Not anymore, Jared, because the DH is here for all teams. Doesn't have to worry
1: about that. I all bet right. he
2: still does it. I, he might. He might try to do it. Be like, that's Otani guy. We're gonna leave him in the left field for today. All right. Here's a. <laughs> uh, here's what here's what you guys have to try to guess today, because I there's some fun answers on Uh-oh. Here.
4: Are these numbers like candy? Uh no, no,
2: these are oh, these okay. are not numbers. You're gonna be guessing names. I think the way I wanna do this is you guys alternating turns, but I wanna see if you guys can guess the top 10 all-time goal scorers in Golden Knights history. So, I'll give you I'll tell you two things. One, or I'll, I'll give you two things here. One, there's actually 11 because two guys are currently tied for 10th. So, there's okay. technically 11 on this list. And two, I get I guess we'll we'll start with Ed. So, just we'll see who can name the most yeah. top 10, technically 11 goal scorers. I'm trying Golden to name Knights 11 history. guys? No, you just name just one at a time. Oh, you Jonathan, Mar- Jonathan Marceau. All right. He's on the list. You get a point. So, and uh, I'll let you know if he's not on the list. And yeah, so there's one. Jonathan Marceau is number one all time. Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin, number nine all time. I gave that one away yesterday.
4: William Carlson.
2: William Carlson is number two all time.
1: Uh <laughs> Um. I, I, it's gonna be somebody weird, so I kind of want to go yeah. with like Neil.
2: James Neal is not on the list.
1: Uh, Chandler Stevenson.
2: Chandler Stevenson, number eight all time.
1: Oh, okay. So then, Mark Stone.
2: Mark Stone, number six all time.
4: Oh, this is now we're getting down to it. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I guess I gotta say, Pachiratty.
2: Max Pachiratty, number four all time.
1: Stasny. Paul Stasny, not in the top ten. Uh, Okay, I got to stop guessing old players.
4: Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to miss on this one. I'm going to miss on this one because I'm thinking defenseman. I'll just
2: say Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore, number seven all time. Riley Smith. Riley Smith, number three all time. So, okay, before you guess that, right now, Jared has three. Ed has uh, five. Uh, there are three names left. So if Jared gets all three, he will win this uh,
1: challenge. Not a chance. Jared is the Knights and I'm the Kings. I <laughs> genuinely, yeah. It took everything of my power not to say Oscar Lindbergh. So let's... Uh... So, Ed, where are you going? Oh, man. This
4: is a tough one now. Now we're getting down to, like... Now we're getting down to, like... This seems like third and fourth line guys, right? Unless I'm missing someone from from before who's already been moved on or who's already been traded. Um, mm, I'm going to miss and just say Alex Petrangelo.
2: Alex Petrangelo is not in the top 10, technically 11.
1: Uh, Jared, the the door is open. Yay, great. Uh, We already did March. Schmidt.
2: Nate Schmidt is not in Uh, the top 11. I will tell you guys this: there is one obvious one, and then two sort of. You're gonna say who or what? So there is now, one obvious is... one that's still left.
4: Tomasz Tatar. No, Tatar <laughs> does not.
1: Peron. Might... David Peron did not make it either. <sighs> Eric Howla. Eric Howla tied yep. for tenth. Okay, then I'm uh, all, right. all right. Then I can't
2: make it, right? Okay, do you still do you still want to try to guess the last two? uh no <laughs> no not at all no. ed do you have any more guesses
4: have i wrapped this Ooh, thing up
2: McNabb? yeah it, uh Braden McNabb is not in the top 10 <sighs> have i wrapped uh, it yes. up you have you have beaten jerry yeah in this i challenge. will not continue <laughs> okay so number five undefeated number five oh. all time is alex tuck
1: oh uh, all right all right okay we should have uh, got that we should have yeah, got that
2: Tied with Eric Howla for tenth all time in Golden Knights goals is Tomash Nosik. Oh, Mm.
4: no! I'm more disappointed we didn't get Tuck.
2: Yeah, you probably should have gotten. Should have gotten Tuck. That one, I think so. I talking about Tomash Nosik here, though. How the hell is Tomash Nosik tenth all time in goals
1: scored? I had the wrong Tomash. He's got a Nosik for the uh, goal. (laughs)
4: I guess. He, yeah, uh, Can
1: I give myself the loser yes. game show sound? <laughs> probably. Probably. <And laughs> now, here's, I have
2: one more trivia question for you. Can you name the Golden Knight that was drafted by the Golden Knights that has scored the most NHL goals for the Vegas Golden Knights ever? It's
1: drafted. Expansion draft included? Is no. expansion draft no. Included? no.
2: Regular, regular NHL draft. So we're obviously it's not Nick Suzuki. He did not score for the Golden Knights, but we're talking guys like Nick Suzuki or Eric Branstrom that they drafted, but actually played and scored goals for Vegas. Cody Glass. Cody Glass is number two. He has nine goals. There is one draftee that has more career goals or more goals for the Golden Knights than Cody Glass.
4: Hmm. Interesting. I just keep thinking of expansion draft guys. Yeah.
1: That's my problem too. Uh, The answer is Nick Hague. Oh,
4: Oh, okay. 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 He
2: has 10 goals. If that, uh, and that is a good illustration of a, the golden Knights general front office strategy to not care about their draft picks, but b one of the bigger problems with the team. As far as roster building against the salary cap goes, they have gotten virtually zero production in their entire history from guys they drafted when Nick Hague is your leading goal scorer as a draftee with 10 goals uh they just they they have not gotten cheap production from young players that they drafted it just hasn't happened and cody glass gets traded away how many games cody glass got called up recently didn't yeah
4: so i'm coming out of the tunnel smiling he's back smiling he was back in the back nhl a couple of days ago i don't know if he's been sent down again might but, be one of those golden knights thing where you put a kid on uh, the 215 and just keep bringing him up
2: <laughs> given uh how eric branstrom and cody glass have performed it's probably a good thing the golden knights traded away all their first round picks
4: oh uh, well yeah, I mean Brandstrom I think is he's he's been up he, at least when they played here he played. But not but he's not good. No, no, like no, 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 no. he hasn't done yeah. anything. He hasn't done anything. He's not anything. good.
3: No. Not good at all.
2: All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show.
3: This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out.
2: All right, Ryan, very important question, very hypothetical question for you. Bill Foley sits you down, and you are Pete DeBoer, or George McPier or Kelly McCrimmon, and he asks, what is this team good at? What's your answer?
0: Uh, I mean, they're good at uh, throwing 40 shots on goal. <laughs> um, they are good in transition. It just hasn't been something that has been reliably consistent over the last few games. Um I I think that this team is good at controlling play at times. I think that they are good at um, playing up to their competition, playing some of their best games against some of the best teams in the league. And I think that this team um, is, is good at losing in a way that makes you really think that they should win. <laughs> I think you sh-
5: sure, I think Indian they should lead. Good. I
4: think they should lead with that.
0: <laughs> I mean, like I'm going to get killed for this because I I I always get, you know, bombarded every time I mention the process. Like if this team could finish, right? Like if their shooting percentage was just one or two percentage points better, if they hit the net at all last night, they win that game running away. But the fact of the matter is um, for as good as underlying numbers can be for as much as this team can dominate possession for as long as this team has been able to um, hold opponents to under 20 shots and double them up in that, in that situation. um, They just don't have, or can't find enough goals in these games where, where they're out shooting their opponents two to one. And, and you know, you, you look at everything underlying and you say, well, Golden Knights should have won that game. And they, they don't. And it, you know, it's now been two and a half, three seasons where you look at some of the bigger losses in Golden Knights history over that stretch, and they have double the shots and more, more dangerous chances, and yet they come up a goal short.
4: We were both surprised and tell us we should have should have been that Logan Thompson did not start last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was a bit surprised uh, just in in terms of. You know Peter Boer's commentary yesterday in the morning after morning skate, just not really committing one way or the other, saying that Robin was available. Like I understand the desire to go back to your number one guy. I, I do. I, I don't know that Logan Thompson played poorly at all in the game against the Edmonton Oilers. I, I think that he was probably one of the bright spots for the Golden Knights through the full sixty-minute game. So uh, in that regard, yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised. But you know, I think that now we've got a question as to whether or not. Logan Thompson's going to get the net the rest of the way. And, and I don't know what the right answer is going to be for Pete DeBoer because uh, the margin for error is non-existent. Now you have to win. That's what the Golden Knights are up against.
2: Has the flip-flopping where you give Logan Thompson, he's coming off of what was a four-game win streak, but then they went to Leonard when he came back for four straight. Then Thompson got two. Now it's back to Leonard. Has the flip-flopping kind of indicated that even Pete DeBoer doesn't know which goalie actually gives him the best chance to win?
0: Yeah, I think I think that there's – A degree of truth to that. I think that Pete's trying to give his number one guy a chance, right? Like he's trying to give Robin Leonard the opportunity to go out there and do what you know the 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 Golden Knights expected him and and need him to do. And you know, again, I I think that there are you know certain indicators that we're seeing out of Robin that, that would lead us to believe that he's not particularly comfortable or not completely comfortable in net. And you know, in that regard, I think that you give yourself a different look or a different outlook in the game if you go with the guy in Logan Thompson. That it looks very comfortable in there. So uh, I'll be very curious to see who's in net for the Golden Knights on Wednesday, and then what type of performance you get out of that position moving forward.
4: I want to go back to Foley for a second. Uh, in the end of the year, if they don't make the playoffs, my contention all along has been ultimately he'll say, "Okay, there were just too many injuries." will run it back. I mean, there'll be changes in the offseason, because there's always changes in the offseason, whether it's Leonard or whoever, with the cap situation. Uh, is it more apt in your mind that that's what he'll do than he's saying, hey, we have to make major changes here? It just seems like an owner is going to listen to McPhee and McCrimmon and DeBoer, and they're going to say, look, if there weren't all these injuries, it would have been a much different different pitcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a degree of that, for sure, um, and, and I don't think that it's unwarranted. Like, I, I do think injuries have played a massive role in this team's inability to find consistent play night in and night out. I, I, I don't really think that you can argue against that, but you know, the question becomes when fully healthy and we're getting kind of a glimpse of it right now, the same problems persist for the golden Knights in that the offense comes up dry when it's absolutely necessary to, to put a team on its heels. Um, you know, you're, you're getting into a situation where you're getting, you know, Mike Smith and and Andrew Hammond looking like Vesna trophy candidates against the Golden Knights. And, you know, I, I'm not taking any anything away from those two goaltenders over the last two games, but I don't think the chances were dangerous enough. So um, I think there's a legitimate uh, concern that even when fully healthy, this might be what the Golden Knights are uh, a team that, that is, is lacking in consistency offensively because there are likely more playmakers than there are shooters and guys that are going to put the puck to the net. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's some degree of, you know, bad luck this year. But I think this window with with a relatively healthy lineup down the stretch is going to go a long way in determining what happens in the offseason. So, okay, even
2: if they don't end up making the playoffs, which at this point is a little bit of a long shot, you think these last five games are going to have some importance, whether it's Actual coaching or front office changes, but at least even just lineup changes. Like, you think these last five games might dictate the entire off season?
0: I feel like they 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 should right. Like we we kind of need more of a runway, um, and that's kind of, that's the the unfortunate situation here is that you know the runway with a marginally healthy forward core and you know a a pretty much altogether defensive core is only about eight or nine games here down the stretch. So um, it, it's it's not nearly a large enough sample size to make massive decisions. But I do think that there is something that you need to glean from these final five games. If, if Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and Jack Eichel are in the lineup at the same time, the Golden Knights should be scoring more than two goals against the New Jersey Devils. That's just a statement of fact. It is it is what needs to be done, especially this time of year. So if that's not happening, that needs to be something that's looked at over the course of the offseason. season. It- not an
4: excuse here, but I wanted to ask you for a while now because of the power play, and we talk so much about the power play, and it's just not any good. Um, is, do you think it? How long ago do you think it's just crept into their minds? And uh, you watch the power play every time. Have, have they tried to do too much? Have they d- done too little? Is it too much mentally? Because I think in sports a lot of it is mental. And uh, is there anything to that, or are they just bad at the power play?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it's, it's set up in a way where you know, the Golden Knights are able to find the passes of the plays that beat goaltenders, right? Like, this is a team that has consistently not been able to get pucks through the box on the penalty kill. So when you're not finding those seams, you're not able to get the goaltender moving, you're not able to create mismatches, and you're not able to get really dangerous-looking shots. I think for a long time, it's been predictable. And then... When Jack Eichel came back into the fold, it was a little bit less predictable until it became predictable again. Jack Eichel's is going to run everything on the half wall. He's going to get to his spots. And then there's not enough movement away from the puck for Jack to find lanes and find angles. Like, I, I do think last night was probably the best the power plays looked in quite a while. Uh, they didn't score, obviously. Uh, but it- it- the movement was there, the movement away from the puck was there. Like, I, I-, I want the power plays for the Golden Knights. For the rest of the year to look more like what they did last night but you know you're you're getting into a situation where right now with five games like you're, you're gonna have to get real hot on the power play to help you win some games um but to kind of to answer your question i i just i don't think there's enough movement like when the golden knights are, are buzzing in the offensive zone five on five there's movement away from the puck and for a team that Likes to blow the zone defensively to try to create offense and transition, and they'll take those risks there. I'd much rather them move more on the power play and take risks in the offensive zone in that situation than at five on five when you're turning pucks over just trying to break out of your own zone.
1: Ryan, considering they need to basically win out, would it be a good time to fire the coach? Because typically teams do better after they fire the coach.
0: <laughs> um, no, no, I, I don't see that as a viable option
1: at all. Well you just rehire them and then fire him again.
0: Um let me let me let me tell you this. Like <laughs> I don't I, I okay. Well I never I never ever ever uh, am going to be or put myself in a position where I'm asking for anyone's job, like like saying that, that, that this person needs to go, whatever the case may be. Uh, that's just not for me. Um, that being said, your idea of Fire than hire immediately, like just just to hit a reset button, is not the worst take I've heard when it comes to coaching. So, um,
1: oh man, like
0: no. I can give you, I can give you that.
1: I was going for worst take. So, uh, what what I is I the worst worry? take? Yeah. Hold on, what is the worst take
2: with coaching?
0: Um, I mean it's 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 interesting because like I I, I think the the idea that that the coaching staff. Is just out there and not trying different things, not not trying to improve this team, and that everything falls on them is is one of those takes that I just don't really understand. Because as much as coaches lay the foundation, and we you know we talked about this with Gerard Gallant prior to uh, him getting fired, that you know his job isn't necessarily to go out there and motivate everybody. I think Pete DeBoer has done a really good job this year managing all of the injuries and at at some point in time here right like you you've got to go out as a player and execute you've got to go out and trust in the process and and execute i think far too often this year in the heat of a game the golden knights have kind of abandoned their structure and abandoned what makes them a good team in order to chase offense because they're they're not as dialed in as they need to be I, i don't know that i necessarily put what happens inside of a game and, and inability to hit the net, inability to bear down on chances as a coaching as a coaching problem. So, you know, at some point, I think we've got to put the onus on, on some of these players uh, in terms of the performance this year and, and not meeting the expectation.
2: Well, he is Ryan Wallace. Again, follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy and check him out on the VGK Insider Show uh, pre-post and intermission as well over on Fox Sports Las Vegas for all Golden Knights games. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. All right, thanks, guys. So Ryan Wallace, um, it's a he. It's a tough question answering what the Golden Knights are good at, right? All of his answers to that question were, well, sometimes they're good at this.
4: <laughs> they're good at losing games they should win.
2: Yeah, they very good at that. Very good at losing games, and you look back and you say, wait a minute, yeah, they, should have have they, they, they,
1: should they should have won. They should beat New, New Jersey. I okay. I will Arizona. say they are excellent. Either during like during. Intermission and then post-game press conferences, looking incredibly frustrated with themselves. <laughs> uh, Jared, by the way, I'm disappointed in
2: you that you did not have the worst. I uh, thought. Coaching come
1: on, man! I I literally suggested we fire the coach and then rehire him. That can't there can't be people dumber than me. <laughs>
2: I think Sinbin suggested Mark Stone as player coach one time.
1: Oh, that's. I mean. If you're going to do that, shouldn't you do Alec Martinez? Because at least he does good ha- or intermission speeches. Oh,
2: that's a good oh, point. A good this, point. Is, this is before we knew about Alec Martinez and his rah-rah. During. Maybe that's what they're missing. Coming up next, do the Golden Knights need more Alec Martinez talking in the locker room?
3: want to be part of the show call the press box voicemail and let us know 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion and that's belted deep to right field and you can't that one goodbye deep into the second deck you on alvarez with a two-run blast fastball and it's ripped to right center field and good wood Another two-run shot.
2: 2-1, hit hard in the air, deep left field. Tommy Pham going back. This one's going to go.
0: A two-run homer for Manny Machado. Just like that, the Padres are back in front. There's a
3: fly ball in the right center field, and it is gone. A home run. Bellinger, not a terribly high fly ball, but certainly far enough. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
2: Everybody surprised Cody Bellinger's hitting home runs apparently.
1: Yeah, that's Barely a, a home broadcast.
4: <laughs> that was Charlie yeah. Steiner with the home broadcast. Ah, it's a home run! <laughs> not a particularly a high one. Not a particularly high hit ball.
2: Uh, by the way, Ed, my uh, like monthly thank you to the Dodgers for Jordan Alvarez. Since the Dodgers traded him away for a relief pitcher in 2017, uh, he's really good. Hit two uh, home runs last night. Yeah. Okay, uh, just he would have been yeah, helpful well, for the Dodgers right do? now. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, first off, I have uh, what seems sounds like a, a wrong stat. Uh, UNLV softball pitcher Ginny Bressler was named the Mountain West softball pitcher of the week. She, over the weekend, pitched in two games through, did not allow a run in 17 innings pitched while striking out 26, and she threw one no-hitter. What?
4: Against, I think, San Jose State?
2: Yes, it was okay. against San Jose State. Right. Uh, she's for... really
4: good. She's If they're going to make regionals, it's going to be because mostly, well, not I shouldn't say mostly because I think they're really good, but she's going to play a large part in it.
2: They are thirty and ten this year. Jenny Bressler has a one point nine ERA yeah, on the season. Uh she has six shutouts yeah. on the year. Um yeah, very good. <laughs> I would Somehow. think
4: I don't know if it's like baseball, but I would think you gotta win the conference tournament. I don't look, I'm not gonna pretend to know the Mountain West softball RPIs right now, but the baseball is absolutely you have to win the conference tournament.
2: Yeah, I do not know if softball is quite the same as baseball and most other Mountain West sports, but I I I would not say that's a bad guess on your part. Uh, But yeah, it sounded like a fake stat line: seventeen innings, twenty six strikeouts, and one no hitter mixed in there over the weekend for Mountain West. Uh, Mountain West finally got it right with their with their player of the week. Yes, she did win pitcher of the week. (laughs) She did. She got pitcher of the week. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that was pretty ridiculous stat line. Now. I also have another update. Do you remember Mike Grimala, the last time he was on this show, he told us about his KFC adventure? Yes, Kentucky
4: Fried Chicken, yes.
2: And how he ended up with $31 of food? Yes. Yeah. I think I saw a commercial a minute ago for what Mike Grimala got. They have have an eight-piece tender combo, which is eight chicken tenders, four biscuits, two sides of fries, a side of mac and cheese. And that's what he got, right?
4: That huh. sounds right. I thought he got more chicken tenders. I thought he might did he have get gotten, more than eight chicken tenders. Well, is what you just said thirty-one dollars?
2: I don't know. They did not say the price for this. The four biscuits sound
4: right. The two side of fries sound right. And the mac and cheese and that mac mac and just cheese. lives in his fridge. Now. Yeah, yeah. I thought he got more tenders than that. What Maybe you just he did. said, 31's too much.
2: The the so what? Okay. The funny part about the commercial is they depicted it with like three people sitting around eating <laughs> it. <laughs> Not many tenders. Two each? <laughs> three meanwhile, each? Meanwhile, this is what they upsold one person in Mike uh, Travalla when he was there.
1: So I I once dated a girl that would get the bucket. She would get the bucket and, like, the, the three sides and the five biscuits or whatever, right. and I would just, like, eat a biscuit and, like, one piece of chicken, and she would oh. devour the entire thing in front of me. It got to the point where I'd just watch it out of sick amusement. Like,
2: oh,
4: Jared, That's a I, lot
1: of she weighed 105 pounds, and I was just like, How are you doing yes. this? <laughs> it wasn't until
2: it wasn't until I was in college that I knew KFC sold like individual sized meals.
4: Yeah, like the two and three piece?
2: Right. Like because yeah. my grandfather he liked KFC, but he would he would just order a bucket and a bunch of sides. Yes. And that's that's like what yeah. we would eat for dinner or something like that. And apparently my mother would do the same thing. We didn't go to KFC very often, but every now and then we'd go to KFC and it'd be a bucket of chicken. And here's some mashed potatoes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I did not because that's the only way we ever got KFC. I didn't know you could go to KFC, and get just yeah. like a combo meal for one person until, or- I was like, until I was like 20 years old.
4: Two piece original.
2: Sure. I didn't know, I didn't know yeah. that was real. I thought they only sold buckets of chicken. I thought they just sold <laughs> massive buckets you of chicken. think one person went and got right. a bucket?
4: Yeah. Well, Jared's
2: I, girlfriend did. Well, I was like, I'd never go to KFC because I don't want a whole bucket of chicken. That's way too much food. Until I was like 20. And I was like, oh, they Dude. sell these in smaller bites.